0: Welcome to Savvy Talk season five. The new episode is out now. I was joined this time by Sarah Subry, the first Arab, Egyptian, and African woman to ever go up in space. I just can't believe it. She made history on August 4th when she took a flight by Blue Origin. From this day forward, we all stand on her shoulders. All little girls in the Arab world and region can say, listen, I feel representative because I've seen what she's been able to achieve. She's a scientist. She's an astronaut. She's investing in empowering people through science and space. And I'm just fascinated by her. And hopefully you guys can learn something in this conversation. Real, really, really a pleasure and honor for me to get a chance to talk to her before she went up and after she went up. Can't wait for you guys to tell me what you think. It's so nice to meet you. I, I've never spoken to an astronaut before.
1: <laughs> um, it's so nice to meet you too. I can't believe that, but I'm going to be an astronaut. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. It's wild.
0: <laughs> I am so proud of you. I think all Egyptians are proud of you as well. But let's start from the beginning because this is our first time meeting. We've been chatting for a while. I heard about your story from Karim Gambrur, and I'm just like in awe and inspired by your journey. But now that I have you with us and all my listeners, I want everyone to hear. So what's your story? Where did you start and how did you become interested in space? Where did you how did you get to this point today?
1: Oh <laughs> uh, Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And it's so nice to speak to speak to you finally face to face. Well, I mean, over the phone, but yeah, <laughs> like hopefully one day face to face in real life. I love very soon. Yeah, um, so I'm. So I'm an engineer by training. I have a bachelor's in mechanical engineering, a a master's in biomedical. I grew up in Cairo, Egypt. Um, I last year, I became Egypt's first female analog astronaut. And I'll explain a little bit about what that is. And then now I'm about to become the first Egyptian to go to space.
0: That's incredible. (laughs) Were you always fascinated by space? Like what what caused you to want to be an engineer? And then what got you into the bug of, of, of space?
1: Um, so I was always really interested in physics and, and and trying to understand things that seem complicated. So I was always wondering like how things worked, or and that's how I became an engineer because I just wanted to understand things or try to solve problems that we had. And I always thought of myself wanting to be, you know, you know, when you're a kid, you want to be like an inventor you want to invent like an out uh, like a, a toy or you know something like this and it's just like i think it just started from my curiosity just as a person and me like learning a little bit more about astrophysics about black holes about all these things and the more i learned about them the more questions i had and the more i realized there were so far still from understanding you know where we're coming from and there's so many questions yet to be you know answered. And I decided, and that's the moment when I decided, okay, so I have this training. I have these skills that you know from education, from um you know what makes me me, just my curiosity. So why not try to use that and help out in space exploration and understanding what where we come from, or in pushing humanity forward? Because I think personally, Space, I'm very biased, but I think the space field has the most impact on us as, as humanity as a whole more than any other field, because that's the one, you know, that's where we're coming from. And that's where we want to, like this is where it touches everyone's life, basically. Every single person's life in the world, you know. So,
0: what about your upbringing with your parents, like, got you into this curiosity space, like, curiosity as like, it, Was it the culture at home where you guys were like, it, they, were, they instilled that in you? Or was it a school? Was it a person? Was it someone that you were inspired by that made you curious about space and the planets and where we come from and
1: all that stuff? I think it's a mix of everything. Because I think we're all, every single one of us, you know, has like went through specific it has their own journeys, you know, from the people they've met, from their cultures, from where they grew up, from, you know, their environment, their surroundings, the, their travels. So it's, I think, a combination of everything. And my parents were very supportive. And I think my dad also, because he was never differentiating between a man and a woman. So he never said, okay, because you're a girl, you're not going to be capable of doing this. And if you're a boy, you know, so I think that helped a lot, because he made me believe that's no matter what I do, I think I can do it. So I'm not less capable just because I'm a girl. But it was quite the opposite. He was pushing me more. And my mom also, she um, she graduated from Lebanon. So she's Lebanese. And she was one of three women in her electrical engineering in, oh, wow. in her university. And that was, you know, I had these to look up to. You know, I had my dad who believed that like girls are no less than men. And then I had my mom who also was breaking barriers as when she was growing up. So I think having them to look up to helped me a lot and me believing in myself and me being, you know, pushing and not really of being afraid of taking risks, I think.
0: So you have a company, you're the CEO of a company. Tell me what your company does and how did you even get into that? Like, were you, I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to be in this industry. I'm going to start a whole company focused on exploration.
1: Yes. So I have a company. It's called the Space Initiative. We're a nonprofit company. And what we're trying to do is make space research and space education more accessible and to provide more opportunity in the field. Because when I started getting into the field, it was very difficult because, you know, in our side of the world, so in in Europe and in Egypt, if you don't have, you know, a European passport or or a, a US passport, the opportunities are very limited and accessibility is also a big issue because of the laws that exist. So, and it's just for me, it was, it it seemed like something that's okay. So it was really difficult for me to actually get into it, to learn about it. And there wasn't any, there weren't many opportunities to know, to work in the specific research. And because I'm a researcher and I an engineer, I wanted to work in this, but it wasn't just available for me. So I decided yeah so I decided that okay let's why not do something about it and why not make it easier for others because space is so important and space is the whole field has so much you know that we need to work on and we need to involve others from different parts of the world because with their different you know backgrounds with their different skill sets they bring a different perspective and I think we need to have this different perspective and also add it onto the like all sides of the world so not to have like only one side of, okay. of the world working on this, but also have a different perspective to work on these problems.
0: I, I love it when you said that uh, if we explore things in space, we'll learn a lot about humanity and each other. And I just remembered like, a couple of weeks ago it was the that they have released the picture of the, the Hubble Space Station, released the picture of the universe. And I saw everybody posting it on social media and everyone's like, wow this gives you a lot of perspective of how small we are and how we don't know what's out there and how we are so involved in our world but really we're a part of this huge humanity and and i know i want to hear what was your
1: reaction when you saw those photos honestly i was in awe for the for a few days afterwards because it really does put things into perspective you does you do like because you you it's hard for our brains to grasp the scale of the universe but when you see an image and when you realize because yeah, of sure. you know yeah we are so insignificant but then when you sit down and you you think about that we need to we need to talk about it more you know we need to really we need to have it part of the conversation to for us to all be aware of that because it's it's, it's us, like, this is humanity. We, in the timeline of the universe, we are very, very tiny, you know? And I think we don't realize that. And I think having this perspective really helps you in your personal life because whenever, whenever you have, you know, instead of focusing on maybe materialistic things or on, you know, small things that you can, you know, you can try to work through, I think having this perspective helps you process these things as well and helps you realize that, like we're all in this together, like we're all humans, you know? And I think having this realization also unifies us as humanity and not and maybe hopefully one day shift the perspective of having these divisions between countries, because that, that to me doesn't make sense to be honest. Like having those lines on the borders. Like this is something that is, yeah. Um, so maybe one day, like if we think about this enough, if we really process the idea that we're all on this planet together and there are no there should be no differences maybe one day this is actually gonna bring so much good you know it's going to push humanity forward just this change in perspective just realizing how small we are in the scale of the whole universe
0: you're having a big role in that so tell me, how did you get selected by Blue Origin? And tell me about Space for Humanity and what work you do with them. And tell me the whole process. Like, how did you do So Blue Origin, for those of you listening, is Jeff Bezos' company, which he's basically investing a lot of time and money in sending humans into space. Tell us a little bit about Blue Origin, how you got selected, and about Space for Humanity
1: yeah of course um so i applied to space for humanity so it's the citizen astronaut program with space for humanity um like a while back and so space for humanity is a nonprofit company and they're trying to democratize space for everyone and so they what they do is they send people to space and they choose them you know based on several criteria so they base, choose them based on leadership capabilities on a uh, global impact uh, potential on the work that they're currently doing so with deep space initiative because i'm i've been working on trying to make space more accessible so my mission with deep space initiative you know corresponded with their mission of making it accessible so i think um, that probably played a role in why they chose me and so I applied to this program and you know when you apply to things you don't really think because so many people are probably going to apply and it's just like the thing that you just apply to and you don't really think much of it but then when I got the call it was just a complete surprise and I still to this day can't even believe that they chose me and they chose me out of 3,000 applicants so it's just it's just insane and it's just I still can't believe that but I'm just so honored and so grateful and just so excited to you know to do my best to use this um you know use this experience to for the for 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 humankind because what they're trying to do is they're trying to train you before you go on this mission and to experience the overview effect and then because and then they turn you afterwards so there's this prep and then you have this experience and then you have an integration period And what they do is that they want to, at the beginning, prepare you to be able to really absorb those few minutes that you have looking down at Earth and really looking at our Earth from space. And then this is called the Overview overview Effect, which I'll talk about a little bit. Um, And then afterwards, I continue training with them on, and they give me tools to be able to integrate that. And I sign a life and leadership agreement with them and to commit to using this experience for Earth. So their slogan is to space for earth. So they are sending people to space for the benefit of planet earth.
0: That's so beautiful. (laughs) I'm so impressed. And so like, Wow. Like one, the experience you're going to have, but two, the leadership that you're going to, I mean, we're having a conversation about space. I've never had conversations with anybody about this, but now I'm curious to know how is this going to help humanity? What kind of research education's out there? What are some challenges that you're having in the industry? How are you building your company? How are you scaling your ideas? What are some <laughs> of the challenges? I have like a million questions, <laughs> but let's start first with what are you doing now to prepare for your mission?
1: Yeah. Um so I we so Space for Humanity works with Paragon. It's a company that helps with preparing yourself mentally for this because this is going to be a very big moment and also it's a big responsibility because I am going to be the first Egyptian to ever do this. So this has a very big influence on you know hopefully younger people in Egypt and Africa because now they can finally see themselves represented in space like or at least starting to see that so this is something I never had and to me this is really really important because you hear those stories of you know people choosing their careers just because they saw this one article of this one person that grew up from in there and you know they grew up where they grew up and they're just like they're set and they're committed and they're driven for the rest of their lives so I can't even imagine the impact that this would have and it's it's a lot you know and it's really important and it's it's it, it really touches you know it touches my heart because I, I understand how important this is um so this is very very um like this is something that I think is one of the most important things that it is you know this is going to happen in the integration part and then to prepare right now what i'm doing so i'm going to the astronaut village tomorrow so they're going there they're going to prepare me physically for the for the flight uh to sit on the rocket and send me to space um but right now with paragon i've been working with them for a couple of weeks now and they trying to prepare me mentally so i do a lot of breathing exercises on trying to control my emotions, trying to, you know, calm myself down, m- calm myself down, because, of course, you know, having this responsibility comes with a lot of, you know, of course, it could add a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of stress. Right. So we need to be able to deal with that. So I've been, and honestly, this training has been transformational for me, because, of course, with the media attention, and of course, it, like it's never going to be all positive, because this is just how the world works. But you need to, no, not look at that and only focus on the positive aspect of, of it all and the potential impact this could have. So Paragon helps you with that. They really help you to deal with all of this and to really prepare yourself that when the moment comes, when I'm sitting in this capsule on the chair, when I know that this you know, controlled explosion is about to happen and I'm just sitting there, I need to practice the feelings that I would feel now and try to, as much as possible, control them and replace them with emotions that calm me down. So that when I'm in space, I can, when I'm looking at Earth, I can really use it and I can really absorb the experience and not just, you know, look at it or um and not really make, you know, take it in as much as I can.
0: That's fascinating. Cause you're <laughs> gonna feel emotion, that like you're probably gonna be overwhelmed that you've been working your whole, you know, life for this dream, for this moment, but it's also the pressure like. How does it feel? So that's really interesting that they start with the mental kind of preparation first. One of the things that a lot of people practice is breath work. And it's different than meditation because it helps you calm yourself. And it's one of the techniques that you've been using for your mission. Do you think it's something you'll continue to do afterwards?
1: Definitely. It really does help Like because you're really trying to control your breath and really use that to control your thoughts. And what we do is try to, you know, do one type of breath and you do it for some time. And then you, you know, you try to put yourself, you know, you try to visualize yourself doing something that might be stressful because you want to practice that feeling. And then you try to replace whatever emotion that comes from this news visu- that this visualization you try to replace it with an emotion that comes from like a peaceful place that you have like for me for example i am very much at peace in the water so i always try to put myself in the water looking at the deep blue and just that brings me that calms me down so when, if i'm ever you know stressed or if i ever feel like my heart race is racing i just stop and i just like breathe and then you know, try to calm myself down by visualizing that because that really, really does change your emotions at the time. Like even if this time, you know, you're, you're anxious, you know, your heart is going up, you're, um, you're feeling it in your body, but you need to like change those, change this, 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 the, 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 the image that you're having in your, in your brain to Another thing that influences your emotions, so it's like a few pieces that you put together and we train you know we practice how to do that, and it becomes easier and easier the more i we've been I've been doing it, the more it's become faster to be able to replace it so it's like I've been even you know trying it out like. If, you know, something really stressed me out and I just like, okay, I need to do it. And it's becoming a little bit faster each time, you know, being able to calm myself down. So, of course, I think 100% I'm going to continue.
0: So you're practicing, you're putting in the reps. Like I find them almost parallel. I haven't been in this experience, but like an Olympic athlete, like they're just training you to the endurance of testing your body to be in different situations. How do you deal with the pressure from the fans or from the crowd or from yourself? What about the Mm -hmm. physical? Like, have you been doing training the last couple of months? Have you been, I mean, I don't know when you found out, but like, have you have to do a certain regimen of what you're supposed to eat or not eat? Like how detailed do they get?
1: So, because this is a sub-orbital flight, so it's not. I think we're training for the launch more than anything. So the hygiene that we're going to experience, so we're going to be, we're going to be training about. So we have two days of training at the astronaut village. Um, and for me personally, I have been training for you know, even though I know Egypt doesn't have an, a human space lab program, but I think. I was preparing myself anyway, just in case, just in case the day comes, you know, and I'm helping the Egypt, you know, trying to make that happen. So I kind of like I'm doing my best, you know, because I always think that even if the opportunity doesn't exist, like try to create it. So I've always been, you know, have to have this mentality. So I have for the past few years been trying to train myself, um, physically and mentally. So I did this analog mission, which is basically a simulation on earth where you pretend you're on the moon for a couple of weeks and you do all the ex- activities that an astronaut would on the moon. So you wear your space suit, you collect samples, you t- test out emergency emergency scenarios, you only eat freeze-dried food, um, yeah. you have no access to daylight, uh, you train every day. So we have physical exercise every day. And so we prepare ourselves that way. And also like to continue my training, I've recently been selected to participate in the a possum scientist astronaut program. And this is going to happen in Florida Tech. So I'll be starting this in September. And this was before ah. I knew. <laughs> yeah. And this was before I knew I was going to space. So I had to message them and be like, oh, so I can't really attend the webinars because um, <laughs> something I'm going up to- on the blue origin. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, what do you think the blue, the overview effect
1: is going to be like, or how you're going to feel after I can't wait to really experience it, but I think, you know, I think I'll have to wait and see. But uh, to me, how I think it's going to be is I think it's going to be more of a psychedelic experience because as, as humans, we haven't biologically evolved to experience this. So I think there's going to be, I think it's going to open my perception of the world and really change me at my core. because. We ha- we're not we're, we, as humans we haven't evolved for this we haven't adapted for this so and when you look at earth from space you just see this fragile rock in in the middle of outer space and it's all black and you just see this one blue rock and where everyone you know is and everything you've ever experienced is rooted in so it just i think there's it would be really difficult for it not to change your perception because even thinking about it, even when you're here on earth and you try to visualize these things, it does a little bit help with, you know, changing your perception of things. But if you're there and if you really see it, and if you look at earth and you don't see those lines of divisions on the map, you don't see, you know, countries, you just see everything as one. So I don't, like, it's really hard for me to think that it won't change you know the person seeing this so i think it's really going to change me on my core
0: who how many people are going up on the mission with you
1: six in total we're going to be six
0: and who are they do you know did you meet them
1: what's their stories i've only met them once virtually um it was the day they told me the news <laughs> um but i'm going to see them tomorrow so how did they're you the news that you got it sorry
0: how did they tell you the news that you got it? Oh, it um, it
1: was it was like it was actually the day that day it was after, right after we had our first successful international Moon Day event that I was helping organize with the Space Agency, and some of the speakers that we had, um, we invited the astronaut, SpaceX astronaut science Proctor and Christina Korp, who was was Aldrin's manager, and we were sitting together in an in person meeting um after the event and then i had to so space for humanity asked me to hop on a call and in a a call so i left the meeting to like to take the call with them but everyone in the meeting could see me through a glass window so when i got the call everyone could see my reaction oh wow So, so as soon as i went back into into the meeting because cyan got the same call last year So she automatically asked me if I'm going to space as if she knew it was really crazy. And she, and I I couldn't believe, I can't believe that my answer was I'm going to space. It was just mind blowing. And the crazy part is, is that when she got her news, because they have a Netflix documentary, the countdown that they made and it's beautiful, highly recommend watching it. And I cried, you know, during the, the her getting her news, like every time I, you know, see her episode. you know, see that scene where she gets her news and, you know, her her emotion. Like I cried when she got her news. And then a year later, she was sitting in the room and she teared up when I got my news. And it was just, what? <laughs> like, what are the odds of having cyan in Egypt? while well, I got my news. And it's just to me, I feel like the universe is just like, I don't know. I, I don't understand. It's, it's just crazy. So
0: does anyone have a video of you seeing,
1: finding out? Did anyone record that? Yeah. Yeah, they do. Space for Humanity uh, posted it, actually. And you can see in the video um, me, like, taking the phone and going back inside and being, like, and Cyan asking, are you going to space? You can hear her. And then I say, I'm going to space. So you see them a little bit um, there. <laughs> what has been
0: the reaction in Egypt about your news?
1: Um like in general with everyone yeah, in the like, public
0: it, yeah people reaching out to you the public
1: anybody um, interesting it's been like i it's it's been amazing to be honest the amount of support i've been getting because i think it's i think it's also a win for egypt because now egypt finally has someone that represents them in space so i think like, I hear also a lot of moms sending me, so, oh, my daughter, she's five. She has always dreamt of going to space, and now she just loves you. Now she sees herself in you, and it's just really, it just really touches my heart, and it really, like, I don't know. It's just, it's it's hard to describe even what this does to you, like, because you work so hard, and to have support for doing something that you've been working so hard for, and for people to... You know, to take this as... Because I'm doing this not only for myself anymore. You know, I'm doing this for everyone in Egypt. So we're in this together. And I don't feel alone in this. So I feel like we're all going together, you know, to space.
0: Walk me through the night before your mission.
1: Uh, yeah. Um, we're going to see. I don't know. I've been doing a lot of my breathing exercises. So for the past um, week or so, I've been... Really calm, really collected, really able to control my emotions. Not having because at the beginning when I first got the news, of course, I was getting like ooh, a lot of anxiety. <laughs> um, but now it's been a lot better, and I think I have a couple of more days before my launch, and I'm hoping to keep my my calm. And part of the training that I'm doing is to know what you want to feel like, um, and you write it down, so I know what ideally, I would like to feel like, you know, the day of my launch. And hopefully the day before my launch, I would have the same calm and the same trust in the process and the same, you know, um, yeah, just, I think all I want, like, I just want to feel at peace with whatever happens, because of course it's not without risk, you know, it's not the easiest thing to do. And it's not, um, you, of course, like, you can always think about these things, but I think how I would like ideally to feel like is just to be at peace with anything that may come. And that's, you know, just to control what I can and not do anything about what I can't control.
0: That's beautiful. So tell me, are you taking anything with you? Like personal, like what are you carrying with you? That's a good luck charm or that you want to have on your person that nobody might know about.
1: We are allowed to take a payload bag, so we're allowed to take a couple some things with us. Um, So I took a few items from family, from friends. You know, Um, I took my niece's sock. (laughs) I have a little sock (laughs) and some photos, um, some jewelry. You know, I have a few items. um, You know that are sentimental from family and friends to take with me.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. And okay, we I want to have another chat with you when you finish your mission because I think it'd be great to have the other side of the story as well when it's done. But like for people who don't know you, you you know you were you're Egyptian, you grew up in Egypt. What are some fun things you like to do when you're not doing incredible things like going up to space? So like favorite TV show to watch.
1: Um Favorite TV... Oh, that's a difficult question because... Or what did um, you recently watch? I do like re-watching shows because, you know, when you know what to expect, you don't really have to pay attention too much and because I don't have that much time to watch things, <laughs> it just calms me down, you know, to you know watch something that I've seen before. So I'm currently re-watching... <laughs> it's a show called Grace and Frankie. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's really good. That's a good show. What about, like podcasts, uh meditation apps, uh music. What what do you like to listen to on your airpods or your headphones?
1: Um I listen to um, like a mix of different things. So I have it's not really mainstream that what I listen to. Um I listen to some piano music a lot. Uh, I like that, some classical stuff. Some um feel like my SoundCloud knows me better knows me better than I know myself. So a of <laughs> <laughs> um, some electronic uh, stuff. So it's a mix of things that I listen to.
0: Favorite place to travel to?
1: Ooh, I have a few favorite ones. I loved Madagascar. I spent a lot of time in Madagascar, and it's just, it's it felt like home when I was there, and it's just the place that I would love to go back to. Um, but yeah, I would love to go to Japan. It's very high on my list to go. Okay. But Africa is always... Has, always has a big place in my heart because when I went there for some months, like I was traveling there for some months volunteering, it was just a very transformational, transformational part of my life. So it was, it's just like I would love to go back and travel around again and around Africa.
0: Do you think, um, I, I, spent a lot of time recently learning about manifestation and visualization and like how that can really help you when you put things out into the universe. I know it's a very loose term that people use, but you all, you're putting yourself virtually actually into the universe. What are some techniques that you think you learned in this process? Like the breath work that you think you'll take with you regardless of your exploration into space that people can learn from like, if you're having a big challenge in your life or you're about to do something big, these are some of the tips and tricks that you use that anyone could start to
1: learn about? Yeah, that's a really good question. So there's a few things that I learned. So actually we can separate them into three things. So one thing is, like you said, visualization manifestation really helped me because honestly, I was really doing that a lot. I was sitting, you know, before bed, I would really, like for some time, I was almost every single night picturing myself in a capsule, really putting myself there, you know, just thinking of the process, really thinking, okay, I am there and this is what I'm doing right now. So it's really picturing yourself there and really seeing yourself there. And that comes with, you know, belief in yourself. And I think our toughest critics and everything, you know, whatever is gonna stop you is yourself. So if you like, I think if you believe you can do it you can you can do it so i think that it all starts there it all starts in going for whatever you think is worth doing and like go big don't like don't go small if it doesn't scare you then it's not big enough you know go for whatever scares you with that whatever doesn't make you comfortable whatever really pushes you you know whatever really makes you feel feel in your heart that's oh no i want this so bad and just go for that one you know don't don't go don't get discouraged by how difficult it might be because that's the one that's worth pushing for and the third thing is is if you get rejections or if you're you know if you feel anger or hurt from things, because of course, like we all go through that. I think what makes us human is suffering. Like anything, anyone you've ever met in your life or you're going to meet is either has experienced suffering, is currently experienced suffering or will experience suffering. So I think we need to make that realization. And I think if you have gone through some, some, some type of suffering or you are going through that now, use that to push you forwards. So use this energy, whatever it may be to... and. Convert it into a type of the type of energy that pushes you forward. So if you're angry about something or if you're hurt from something, try to use that because this is still fire within you. This is still some energy that you have. But it's only like you're you're the one who's capable of using it either, you know, to bring yourself down or to make that as, okay, so this is happening, so let me just use that to push forward and to like use it and like, okay, like I've gotten this rejection. Okay. It hurts. It, I'm not happy about it. I've gotten so many rejections in my life, but and it's not easy. You know, it's, it's, it's not something that we can easily say, okay, no, just like shrug it off. It's fine. It's, it's not, it's, it's, it's not easy to say that, to, to do that. But I think what's better to do is not to just forget about it, but use that channel that and use it to push you forward. And I think that helped me a lot. And that's, That's how I've dealt with everything in my life. And that's, I think, why, you know, I have the drive that I do, because I think I keep using that to push me forward and to, you know, keep going.
0: You're an inspiration and you (laughs) will have many days to keep going and keep inspiring all of us. Egypt's first astronaut, Sarah Sabri, thank you so much for joining me today. And I'm really excited to share your story. How old are you, Sarah? 29. 29. 29. Okay, you're not even hit, reached 30 yet. <laughs> so you yeah. still have a long way a ways, but like, link up all the people that you're, all the little girls that you're impacting.
1: Yeah, and that really, you know, that really touches me and that really gives me goosebumps. So,
0: yeah, thank you so much. It's <laughs> happening. And are you the first Arab woman to go up into space?
1: Yes, I think so.
0: Oh, wait. Well, why are we saying first Egyptian? We're like... <laughs> first Egyptian first Arab woman to ever go up in space
1: yeah and the first African woman as well and the first
0: African so she's Egypt first Arab woman and first woman representing Africa to go up in space we are so delighted that we could
1: spend some time with you and can't wait to hear how it goes thank you so much yeah I can't wait to share my experience with everyone thank you so much for having me
0: That was our conversation with Sarah before she went up into space. Stay tuned now for the next part of our conversation where she tells me what it was like when she came back to earth. Sarah, the last time we talked, um, I asked you, how do you think this experience would affect you? And I know It's been how many days now since you went up into space, but can you describe to us what was the experience
1: and was it as you expected? It was not what I expected. It was a lot more emotional and powerful, I have to admit. Um, Yeah, it's been 20 days now and and I'm still processing everything. It was really weird for the first, I think, week or two weeks. It was very, very strange. I mean, it still is, but I think I'm learning to adapt to this new reality now and putting it into words has been really, really helpful. And I'm really excited to share more about this experience and about the overview effect and about the process I've been going through to really um, train to how to integrate this. Um, to- okay,
0: well, well, let's start from the beginning. Yes. What? How did you start your day? What did you eat for breakfast?
1: Walk us through the whole day. <laughs> the day of the lunch. Um, yeah. So I woke up and got ready, um, you know, just as if it was a normal day, (laughs) knowing it wasn't really a normal day, but I was trying to keep calm and to really, um, because we trained very, very well for this. So you're really, um, for the, the few days leading up to the launch day, we were training so much. We had super long days. We were always going to the training center, always being on the capsule, simulating the mission again and again and again. So it felt like, almost okay so we're gonna do it but now it's real so it was the most exciting thing that i've ever experienced so in the morning i got ready had some coffee had breakfast which usually i don't really eat breakfast but i felt like Mm -hmm. i'll eat breakfast you have to eat breakfast that day (laughs) breakfast is the most important meal of the (laughs) day yeah Yeah. so we had breakfast um then we talked with like some of the crew members we, um so we all kind of, you know, looked at each other with excitement and kind of like sitting at this dining table kind of thinking, okay, so this is really about to happen. And then we were told we had our families and friends that are going to come. Um, it was really dark in the morning. It was really early in the morning, so it was pretty dark still. Um, and we had buses coming in from Van Horn and from... Um, can't remember where the other place was, but like from around Texas to bring in our families and friends just to kind of say hi to everyone and bye to everyone at the same time. And uh, so I was really excited to see everyone um, in the morning. so I was looking forward to them coming. And then when they came, it was so nice to see everyone, to h- hug everyone, and everyone was getting really hyped up and getting so excited about what's about to happen. So it was, a, it made a big difference seeing uh, family and friends that day. So they did such a good job in allowing us to, you know, have this moment with them and just to kind of chat. Everyone gives you some stuff to take with you to space last second, of course. So I had just a bunch of bracelets. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm there. I was very happy to do that. And um, so, yeah, then time came for us to head to our training center to start getting ready. Um, So we had to say bye to everyone. They, I guess, had their safety briefings and stuff. And then we, uh, astronauts, went to the training center. We had like our last briefing, um, our last warning to go to the toilet. We put on our suits. Um, Then we got like, then it seemed real. And also Kobe. So Kobe is, um, he. he's one of the founders of Dude Perfect. So they, he was thinking to do uh, one um, like trick shot, you know, in our time in zero g so he had like a box of little toys of things to take with him to space of like to choose which ones it would be possible so he had like this really tiny uh, ping pong racket and ball so we stood like we have this big meeting table in, an, in our astronaut training center so we and myself and another astronaut we kept playing ping pong before. that's so funny So there's a lot of photos of just just playing ping pong before launch as if it's like normal and we're just trying to kind of like pretend like it was a normal thing Um, and yeah so that was really fun to kind of just like get us you know uh, relaxed a little bit and just kind of playing around and then we got on in the cars and we drove we started driving to the launch pad And on our way, so we had like this road where we had family and friends with the bells saying goodbye to everyone. So that was really, really nice. Also seeing everyone and in the cars, we had music playing just to kind of get us excited. And I'll never forget driving past the rocket and seeing it and thinking in my head, oh, my God, this is going to be my ride today like this was such an insane feeling and it's also so crazy to actually put myself in this in the moment right now again and i i remember just looking at it from the window and thinking how is this like i have never felt this much excitement in my life i think it was just crazy. A big moment yeah
0: and so, you guys, I was wondering, like in the car, was it quiet? Were you guys praying? Were you meditating? But you're like, music was blaring.
1: What was the hype song? Um, I, I, we had because our crew, our crew was called Titanium Feathers, so we had um, a couple of songs that our crew member seven, Sarah, was had prepared. So that was really like some songs to get us just hyped up. And then we had also Titanium. Titanium, love that song. <laughs> yeah, it is a hype song also. So that played. Yeah. That was really cool. And we were in two cars and I had Kobe in my car. Um, so I was just kind of like holding his shoulders and telling him, we're doing this, we're doing this. And I was just like, he's sitting right in, in, the, in, the, in the front seat and I'm in the back seat and I'm just holding his shoulders and like kind of like shaking him because <laughs> we're doing this. And um, so yeah, when we got there, we went up the stairs, we did everything that we were prepared to do. And then we sat on the, cop- the capsule and then we had to wait for some time. And we kept, like, as a crew, we kept talking to one another, always making it, you know, always having an open communication, which helped a lot, because you never really felt alone. We knew that we were all going through the same thing. And leading up to this moment with my Paragon training, because with Space for Humanity, so they collaborate with this company called Paragon that prepares me before and after, um, you know, the trip to space. And they had me write down what I wanted to feel in that moment, you know, sitting on that capsule chair. And what did you write? I wrote that I wanted to feel um, at peace with whatever outcome comes, because, of course, it's not without risk. You have to make peace with wherever it might go. And also being trusting of, you know, this, this rocket. And I did feel that. I felt very trusting of the rocket. I trusted it more than... I trust airplanes, to be honest, because you're so wow. and you go through all these emergency scenarios that whatever happens, you know how to how to how to act, how to deal with it, and you know of all the backups and all that. So it's really you trust it. And also I kinda just sat quietly for a little bit and kind of imagined taking all of Egypt with me. And that was such a relief. To me, it it was really calming to me. And I really was calm. I was not nervous or scared or anxious. I was just excited. Like, I was looking out the window and you're really high. Um, You're sitting on the rocket. So you're looking out the window and you're pretty high. And you're seeing the sky. And um, I was also on crew. I was astronaut number one. So I could see still the launch pad. Um, And I was seeing, you know, the technicians kind of, like, prepare stuff. And our crew member, Seven Sarah, also preparing things and, like, finalizing things. So So it was just you know, these few moments of, okay, we're about to launch the space right now. And um, and then we did, you know, we had our countdown. We had, you know, those seconds of, you know, the engine, kind of the ignition, the, the it's, you know, the sounds of the feeling, the, the everything. And then you literally launch up really fast. <laughs> and it, it was, it was incredible, it was, you know, this is all the things that are leading up to it were just incredible, to be honest. Did you
0: feel like, a, like you got pulled or you felt a jolt or do you feel like in your chest or like did your stomach drop at any point where you just like, I don't feel that good <laughs> at any point? Or was it did you have to rely on the breathing exercises like?
1: Um, So we do experience high Gs. So at some points when, um, like before Miko, so before main main engine cutoff and after separation, you do experience some, uh, like up to three Gs on your chest, so three times your weight on your chest. So that gets pretty uncomfortable, but you know, like that it's going to pass. And you, you, so you kind of know that it's only temporary and because um you also like have simulated it several times, so you know how long it should last so you're kind of like expecting it's okay, so th- it's gonna be a few more seconds and then it's gonna be done so and then you reach zero g and you're weightless <laughs> it's it's not you're not in your body anymore almost, and the thing is, like you get lifted off your ch- your your seat a little bit and so you unharness and you're just you're it's really such a crazy feeling and it's hard, um, it's unlike anything, you know, I would expect that it would be a little bit like underwater where you're buoyant, but in buoyancy, you still feel a lot on you, right? So it's kind of still not the same thing. It was very, very different. And yeah and we had our whole zero g plan so we did this formation which i believe is the first formation to be done in space so you know how skydivers do formations and stuff and we did that with the crew and then each one had their own thing and then all of us dedicated you know the majority of our time just looking out the window which was what did you see um earth (laughs) it's crazy you see. Um, So there's a part, like a few parts of it. So the thing is that when you're going up, you see the changes in colors. So you go from light blue to dark blue to purple and then black. So it's this drastic change that you don't actually feel when you're penetrating the atmosphere. So it's not something physical that you feel. It's just visually that you're recognizing that, okay, this is a new place that you're in, which is crazy. Because I imagined it you know, feel like you're like hitting something, you know, but it wasn't like that at all, which was a big part of my overview effect, like slash processing phase, because it made me realize of this lack of separation between Earth and space. And that was the biggest thing for me from all of this, to be honest. And um, you see Earth and it's so bright, like Earth is very bright. It is. I- Yeah, I mean, for me, at least, like, I saw that Earth was so bright. And also I had some time, like, at some point I had the reflection of the sun on my side. So I was just so bright. And it's just emptiness around it. And it was just, like, it's forever going to be imprinted in my head, like, for so long. and Like, you keep seeing it again and again. It's just so big. (laughs) And it's mind-blowing. And I think... Like before, I think we haven't biologically evolved to experience something like this. So it's really hard for your brain to really understand, to to grasp the extent of, like, this, like, for me, the biggest thing was the lack of separation. Like, this was- The lack of what? Separation.
0: Separation.
1: Between Earth and, and space. And it made me realize- You know, because until now I'm still trying to process it and I think I'm getting a little bit, you know, better at processing it and putting it to words. But I think for me, the main thing that came out of, you know, not the main thing, but like one big thing that came out of this is that I understand why we humans are meant to do this. Like, I think ever since I came back, I've had this feeling where I feel so much more connected to this vastness and this, this, you know, Space, you know, it's 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 not different from Earth. Earth is just a part of it It's just a continuation of it. And it's it, it's just it just belongs to it um, So that for me was just kind of like this realization and I think it's 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 easy to put it in It's I mean when you put it into words it makes it simple because when I mean it, you're just making one sentence but then it actually in my head it just feels very different And everything that I do, you know, when I look at something or when I look look at grass or when I look at, you know, some trees or every time I look at something, I'm kind of seeing it a little bit differently now. Like I get this weird feeling that it's the same thing that I've seen before, but it feels different. And I think the more I'm, you know, sitting down with myself and kind of trying to make sense of this and to really understand this new reality that's, of, you know, this realization of this lack of separation, you know, the more I do this, the more it did open up my perception, I have to admit. And when we landed, um, when we landed the first, like I, w- I couldn't stop crying. Like it was, it was crazy. It, I was, I got very, very, very emotional. And the first thing that I said was, was that it's right there. Like space is right there. It's not It's not something because we always imagine, okay, the sky, you look at it from earth and it's just so big and you can't really see space and, you know, and space is so, the universe is so big. So you always think that it's so far away and that earth, you know, is a separate entity from it, but it's really not like, it's really, really not. not. Um, So so So
0: what, sorry, I just want to listen to you all day, but I want to ask you some questions. So a couple of things, One one of them is like, would you do this again? 100%. 100%. I cannot wait to do this again. And would you say, because you talked a lot about the separation, so what changed you the most from this experience?
1: Um, it's this understanding or this realization that Earth is not separate from space. I think that to me was a big, big thing. And also, before getting going into this, you know, you read a lot about the overview effects, you try to, you understand other astronauts' experience of this. but it's not all the same. No, astronaut, not two astronauts experience the same thing, you know? So I think I, at the beginning I thought, oh, maybe like one of the things that I should be feeling would be the fragility of earth or, you know, the, the, the lack of borders. And that's what I thought it would be like. Right. And I think that hasn't changed. I still truly believe that with all my heart, but I'm trying to kind of understand what has changed, you know, because from this, my personal experience, what has changed is this new thing that I realized, which is, Yes, there are no borders. Yes, this is something that I'm, mm-hmm. I have dedicated my life for, you know, just trying to erase these borders. And I will still continue doing that for the rest of my life. But I think there's this new thing that just kind of blew me away. And it's, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> It just,
0: it just, it's so fascinating to listen to like you before, and then it was live stream. So everyone got to watch it. I watched it. We all watched it online. I don't know if you know how many people were watching it from around the world, but I'm sure a lot of people from Egypt were watching it because I saw a lot of people post. What do you think that effect had on little girls or little kids in the Arab world? Like this them seeing that, like now that you've done it, what kind of perception do you think you've changed or feedback that you've gotten?
1: I think, or at least I hope now people in Egypt and in the Arab world and in Africa can think that things are possible now, you know, because this is the first time that something like this happens to, you know, someone that is like them, that grew up in the same places as them, you know, so it's a new thing that is, I think, I really hope that it brings this new sense of possibility you know this new sense of okay so she's she did it so so can i now i can do things i can you know work hard towards something and actually achieve it and not listen to whatever anyone tells me in my country that of the lack of opportunity of not being you know of not being able to do it just because of this and that you know of just not listening to all this and going for it and really believing in yourself and kind of pushing through
0: yeah, I think one thing we struggle with a lot is self-doubt. So we always like, you know, I mentor and talk to young people all the time. And they're like, they feel like, oh, that's something that other people do, not that we do. Yeah. So now you having kind of overcome that and just your whole message of hope is a really important one that people need to see. Like everything is within reach if we just really put ourselves in the position to, to get to those opportunities. And I think that's really, really important. What did you, um, what did you prepare for that you didn't use on the mission? And what did you not prepare for that you wish you would have known about before?
1: That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I'll start with what did I prepare for and didn't use? Yeah. So I prepared. We were. I was getting prepared mentally with Paragon, and then physically with Blue Origin. And yep. I think we prepared so much. And I think it was necessary to prepare for all these different scenarios. So I think it's a good thing that we didn't use them, <laughs> but um, it was just necessary. And I think it was really important to do that. And um, as to what I wish I had prepared for was, I wish I slowed down a little bit more. Like I felt like when, it, when, the, when the time came when we were in zero G, I was really rushing to get out of my seat as quick as possible. And I had trouble kind of unharnessing just because I was kind of rushing it. And I wish at that moment that I was just slowing down a little bit more and not being, you know, not kind of like looking at the clock and just being like, oh, I have to be, I have to be fast. So that was one thing that I wish I kind of, you know, knew that I would, um, I wish I had prepared myself that I would be a little bit, you know, not nervous, but a little bit r- like, f- like rushed with myself. That I w- should have calmed myself down a little bit and been like, okay, we have some time. Like, I just need to slow down a little bit and not kind of like not rush it. Um, so that was that would be the one thing that I wish I kind of you know, um, yeah, did.
0: I love that. I think one of the things that um, perception of time is something like we just don't understand. Like, how long did it take you to, like, go up and down? And, like, did was it fast? Did it seem like a minute? Was it slow? Like, how do you think your perception of chi- time was impacted during that experience?
1: In the moment, um, I think it went by really fast. And I keep thinking about it. But then when I try to visualize it and try to remember it, I can remember every single moment of it. You know, I can really put myself there and kind of remember all the little things and put myself back in there, which is really nice to do. And in your head, you can slow things down. So in my head, you can make it slower than it actually was because then it was pretty fast. But again, still, you had time to look out the window. You had a lot of time to just sit down, not sit down, but like float around and just look out the window. You know, you had this time and it's just... It's both fast and slow at the same time, because if you think back at it, you can slow it down in your head. But at the moment, it was pretty fast. And yeah. That's incredible.
0: I'm just so inspired by listening to like what that process should be like. But you went up there um, on behalf of your nonprofit company, Deep Space Initiative. And now... What, what's next for you? Like I know you were there with uh, Space for Humanity, but I'm just talking about your business and how you are gonna take this experience. What What's next?
1: Um, so these Space Initiative, we are working on our first Milky Way program and our teams are gonna present at IAC in Paris in two weeks. So that's really, really exciting. And we're opening up our new applications also in September um, for our longer Andromeda program, which is a research program as well. And you have the opportunity to either work as a team or to do your thesis, uh, work as an individual. Um, So we have a lot more opportunities for our next round. And then we also are working on our education department where we're hoping we we're going to be providing a lot of um, very accessible lectures, the content that would be just open for everyone to, you know, learn more. Um, so that's kind of the plan with the Space Initiative. As for me personally, I'm continuing my astronaut training. Uh, I have my uh, International Astronautical Institute um, training next week, actually. So I'm going to be training with um, this program where they train you to do research in space, basically. And I would become the first um, Egyptian female citizen uh, scientist astronaut candidate. So then I would be qualified to actually do research in space. Um, So I'm really excited about that. And with my PhD, I'll be working on spacesuits. So I just like I was just in you know, North Dakota last week. Um, so I'm really excited to work on it and to really you know, use my experience of this first short space flight um, to like doing my best both in my research and providing opportunity in my company and also preparing myself for future missions to orbit moon and eventually Mars.
0: Tell me, oh, you want to go to Mars? So tell me two things. One is you're designing spacesuits.
1: Yeah, so my PhD is going to be uh, about engineering spacesuits, yes. And what does that entail? Um, So I have a background in mechanical and biomedical engineering, so I want to use these skills into um, making the next generation of planetary spacesuits more mobile, more flexible, and protect, you know, um, and maybe also use a hybrid design between pressure and mechanical. So I'm not still... I'm not set on exactly what my research is going to be about, but I'm really, really excited.
0: And um, Artemis, is that what it's called? Is going up into space soon. So this is going to be like the first time since they were putting man on the moon to put up with such a huge, massive mission. Do you know anything about it? Yes,
1: I'm really excited. I'll be watching the launch actually in a couple of days. I'm going to Florida.
0: Huge. Oh, you're going to Florida to attend yeah. it. Yeah. Have you been attending a live mission
1: like that before? It's it's my first um it's it will be it will be my first time watching a rocket launch. I've been on one, but I've never seen one, which is really weird. <laughs> the
0: thing I love the most about this story because I've been like learning about about it is that the person who's the call person or the person who's in charge of the mission and announcing it and getting it, getting the final okay to go up into space is a woman. And it's the first time they've had a woman be in charge of the actual give the final go ahead to actually do the whole countdown or release. So that'd be exciting to watch. Um, Sarah, I'm so grateful for your time. I loved hearing your story. I, I really wanted just to close with one final question is um, if you were to talk to your 10 year old self, what would you be telling her right now about where you are today and
1: what advice would you give the next generation? Um, so I I would say to trust myself. As long as I do that, as long as I work hard and as long as, you know you, you don't doubt yourself, things good things will happen. And if I were to tell anyone, you know, any give anyone advice, I would say do what you love. I think that's a really, really important thing because I think you know, we always try to look at the outcome a lot of the times, you know, and I think also working in the space field, I think a lot of us want to go to space and it's just an incredible thing. And it's an incredible dream to dream. And it's just, um, you know, it's such a, An incredible goal to have. But I think also it's important to enjoy the journey leading up to it and to just do what you love and it will happen. Opportunities are increasing. You know, things are opening up a little bit more. So I think just make sure to love what you do and to enjoy it along the way. That is such a terrific message.
0: Don't just enjoy the outcome. Think about the process, the journey and really enjoy each step of it because that's the real fruit of the labor of getting to achieve your goals. Sarah Subri, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Thank you so much. You take care. Thank you for listening to Savvy Talk. I'm Maha Bulanin and I'll be back with a new episode in two weeks. In the meantime, please subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Mahageber and Digital and Savvy for more information including some snippets and highlights of the upcoming guests and talks. Thanks for listening.